Welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 38. We're going to learn about the pitfalls of when you can't or won't wait on God. And when you think you know better and you're going to do stuff in spite of what the Lord has told you. And we're going to spend a lot of time in 1 Samuel for chapter 13 and chapter 15 looking at our brother Saul. Because Saul is a good example of what we find happening in our own lives. And you ask yourself, why don't we want to wait on God? If you're anything like me, I'm impatient. I want things done fast. My husband said I do everything fast. The microwave has to be fast. Whatever he wants to do, I need him to move faster. I need to get things done. I need decisions made. It's on a time schedule. I got tasks to do. One, two, three, knock it out. All of us have a pace. All of us have things that we want done, but God has his own timing. God has his own decisions. He has his own wisdom. He has his all knowingness. And it just doesn't line up to what we as little mortals want to do when we want to do it. But I want to show us out of the Word of God what happens when we don't wait and when you find yourself in a position where you're not waiting on God and if God has told you specifically something to do and you still want to do your thing because He's not going fast enough for where you want to go and get to. There are some consequences to that, and I call them pitfalls in the title of the teaching. But I'm going to show you in chapter 13 where it kind of starts, and then as it progresses to your destruction until the point where your God is just taking away things that you should really have in your life, but you've decided you know better. And when you think you know better than God, it is a recipe for disaster. So turn into 1 Samuel chapter 13. You're starting there where Saul is being asked to wait. And you're going to see his reactions and you're going to see some things that I'm going to call out of the Bible because they're happening to you and I every day. I'm not perfect. None of us are. But you're going to find the things that Saul is going to encounter are the same things that you have Monday through Sunday when it comes to what the Word of God says. And he says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. But we're like, nah, that ain't for me right now. So let's go to verse 7. It says, you got to read all of chapter 13, but we're going to start for the sake of time, time tonight. Start at uh, verse 7. It says, As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. So they're in a situation where they're in fear. Something's going on with a battle, and they're afraid. And it says, verse 8, Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. Now, that's the thing about us. Somebody will tell us they're going to be there at 5 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, they're supposed to be there. 5.05, you're impatient. By 5.15, you're upset. By 5.30, you are totally pissed. What is going on? They're wasting my time. Don't they know I have things to do? They're supposed to be here at 5. They should have been here at 5. Well, here's Samuel saying to Saul, you should have been, I'll be there in seven days. Well, seven days has come and gone, and there's some impatience on Saul's part. Now, here's where you're going to see it go off the rails. Saul is a king. Samuel is a priest. Two different roles. When we get outside of our roles doing something else because we don't want to wait on God, we're having a problem. It says here, But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Hmm, make a decision. He's not here. I know what I'm going to do. Bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. Now, he knows he's not the priest and he shouldn't be doing it, but he's decided Samuel's taking too long. And he offered the burnt offering. 
Now it happened as soon, and that's what happens. When we do something stupid, jumping off before God has told us to go, immediately the consequences start. It says, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him, because he's happy with himself. Hey, you were late, but I took care of it. Husband, you didn't pay that bill, so I took all our money and paid it. Uh-oh, here's what's going on. Verse 11, and Samuel said, what have you done? I mean, he's probably seeing exactly what he's done. What have you done outside your role? Why didn't you wait? All those things are in that same question. What have you done? Saul said, when I saw, here's the excuse, here's the justification for doing something outside of the will of God. God didn't tell him to be the priest, to do the action of peace, but he's trying to justify it. And that's what we do when we don't want to wait on God. We have our rationale for why God is taking too long, why I'm doing something, God, because you didn't do, you didn't show up, you did not. And that's where you see where Saul's going to go wrong. Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you, you did not come, Within the days appointed, you told me a time, Samuel, and you didn't come. So he's throwing it back in his face and say, when you didn't come at that appointed time that you told me, I had to take it in my own hands. I had to get some stuff done because you were taking too long. God, I asked for you to help me with this bill and the bill is coming due and you're taking too long. I'm sick. I got to make a decision. Do I get cut on? Do I take this drug? Where are you, God? Why haven't you answered me? Our marriage is falling apart. God, why haven't you talked to me? How come you haven't fixed him? Why haven't you fixed her? At the appointed time, you basically didn't come. And that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Then I said, hmm, I thought, I rationalized. I said to myself, I need to take care of this. Sam was not coming on time. God's not coming on time. And then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me. It's all about me. Self-service, self-interest, self-preservation will come down on me at Gilgal. And I, see all this self, self, self? And I have not made supplication to the Lord. You got to make it sound spiritual. Therefore, I felt compelled I had to do this. I had to make the decision. I had to go. I didn't have time to wait. I couldn't trust. You weren't here. But I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Now here's the wisdom of Samuel coming back to slap him down very quickly that he has done something foolish. It says in verse 13, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established you. Now see the consequences. God had something wonderful for you if you had just waited, but you took it into your own hands, your selfish hands, selfish ambition, all about you, what you wanted to do, not what God wanted to do. And because of that, what God had for you, no. Mm -mm. You're not going to get that. It says here, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Your blessings would have been forever. Your reign would have been forever. But now, because of this not waiting, because you thought you knew, because you were compelled about your I, me, and my, but now your kingdom shall not continue. 
the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his peoples because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now, it's clear. God wanted him to wait. He didn't wait. That was the beginning of his consequences. But I want you to jump over to chapter 15 because here again, we have opportunities to fail day by day. And that was one opportunity that you would think, if you just had that happen, that the next situation in your life where God wants you to wait and do his will and follow after his commandments, you think that your big head would say, I'm going to do better this time. God wasn't pleased with me. I fell off real badly. I didn't follow. I didn't wait. I didn't do what I knew that said the Lord. You think he would have got it. But here we are in chapter 15. And we're going to see that Saul is like many of us. We don't want to listen. We don't want to learn from the first pitfall. We want to fall even further to the point that it's just crystal clear. We don't give a crap about what God is saying. And there are consequences to that. Because we think we are smarter than God. And we are not. Chapter 15 verse 1 says, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the word of the Lord. Pay attention to it. Do it. Heed it. If you don't know what heed means, pay attention. Do it. Heed it. Follow it. Listen to the direction of the Lord. It says, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. And here's what the Lord says. In case you are so daft, Here's what the Lord says. I'll say it slowly. Verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go, telling them what to do, talking to Saul. Now go and attack Amalek. That's the king. And destroy, that's the place. And it's got a king, Agag. But that's the location, Amalek. And utterly destroy all they have. Can I ask you all to spell out all? A-L-L. God says, utterly destroy all they have and do not spare them. That's a, a clear sentence. It's a clear commandment. But in case he doesn't get it, because he tends to go his own way, God further explains it. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camels and donkeys. So he was clear, utterly destroy all that they have. And in case you don't get it, I'm going to spell it out for you. So imagine Saul gets all the people together. They attack. They get the upper hand. They're about to defeat. But... Here's what Saul does. You saw what the order was. It says in verse 7, And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Hevelah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also, here's the disobedience. He knows what he wants to do. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. What about kill the men, the women, the infant, the nursing child, all the animals? What about that said, keep the king alive? When you start and you don't want to wait on the Lord, you don't want to follow after his commandments, you don't want to heed his voice, you start doing your own thing. And that's what happens when you decide you know more than God. 
there's always a detriment to not following after the word of God. And he says, he also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were unwilling to destroy them. Now there's the decision by Saul and the people. They kind of got a little business meeting together and they said, we don't want to kill Agag. And that's such, you know, God is good livestock. We don't need to destroy that. That's going to be good. And then they'll say, oh, we'll do it for God. We'll have some great offerings for God. We'll get rid of all the, the other stuff. We'll kill a lot of people, but we, we're going to keep the good stuff because that's what we want to do. And Saul went along with it. It says, but everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Now, here we go. Samuel is not there to see this. So he's already getting knowledge from the Lord that Saul is messed up yet again. He's not there. He doesn't have a candid camera to see what's going on. But the Lord has already revealed that his direction was not followed. His commands were not heeded. As he, Samuel, being so clear to tell Saul, you need to listen to the words of the Lord. This time, get it right. Verse 10 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. And he cried out to the Lord all night because he, he was just trying. He, he really wanted Saul to succeed. And some of you want your kids to succeed, your marriages to succeed, all these things to succeed. But people don't love the Lord or want to follow after the commandments of the Lord. They want to do their own thing. They don't want to wait after the Lord. They don't want to hear what the Lord says. They don't want to hear the voice of anything to do with this word. And there are consequences and pitfalls to that kind of decision. And what God would have you to have in your life as a blessing you find that you're going to do something where you're going to be cursed and God's going to take away something that is good and edifying and a blessing to you. It says in verse 12, so when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. For himself? He set up a monument for himself? That should have told him that's not what you need to be doing. But when you're so focused on self, you think that's okay. You were compelled to do this other thing back in chapter 13. But here you are in chapter 15. You've gone to Carmel indeed, and he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Verse 13 said, Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. He got an explanation point because he is so happy with himself. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. This is where we get it twisted. When we do wrong and we do dirt or we make up our own mind that what we are doing is right, we convince ourselves that God is going to be pleased with it. We do a part of what he says and he thinks, we think that he's going to be pleased with it. And he's congratulating himself. He's got his monument. I done done great. I've done all that the Lord has said. Really? No. No, bro. You haven't. And you're going to get slammed. It says here, verse 14, But Samuel, I love this, But Samuel said, 
What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. And here where you start the excuse-itis. Remember back when Eve and Adam, when the Lord says, where are you? And, it, and Adam said, that woman you gave me. Now here, Saul is going to start, and the people, it wasn't really me, it was the people. But wasn't it Samuel who told Saul, you need to heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Follow the commandments. It wasn't the people that Samuel told, it was King Saul. And he just disobeyed to do something in chapter 13. And look what it says here in verse 15. It says, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. That's a nice way to say shut, shut it. Be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. He was pleading and crying before the Lord. But after hearing what Saul said to Samuel, he just came out and said exactly what the Lord said because he realized he didn't hear when he told him back in 13, what a foolish thing you've done. And now God told you what to do. And you did what was right in your own sight and what the people wanted, not what God wanted, not what God commanded. It says here, and he said to him, speak on. This is Saul. Tell it. Tell me what he says. Speak on. Really? That's a little full of yourself. Speak on. So Samuel said in verse 17, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, the Lord said to you, he said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Question. That's a question that all of us have to ask every day when we decide God's word is on the floor and we're trampling on it because we think we know better. We're serving me, my, and I and making monuments of big houses and big bank accounts and big egos and big, oh, all that in, in a bag of chips. I'm wearing a shirt that says rich in Christ. When it's at the end of your life, it's what you have done for the Lord Jesus Christ. What you have put in your heart, your mind, your soul, and your spirit for Christ. Not what you want is the spoils of this world, the temporary treasures of this world. Saul decided that he wanted to listen after his own self. He was compelled to follow his own thinking. And that is a failure. And he lost everything. He already got told in chapter 13, God's going to take away your anointing. God is going to take away your kingdom and give it to somebody after his own heart. And when you go to see 1 Samuel 16, we've talked before about David being anointed. And then you'll find out that the Lord replaced his favor and his spirit. And Saul had an evil spirit buffet him. And David would play the harp and beautiful music just to get the spirit out. And then Saul's evil spirit would cause him to throw a javelin at David to try to kill him. Because he recognized that the favor of God was upon David. And he had lost because he chose 
to obey himself and disregard what thus saith the Lord, the words of the Lord. I want you to jump over to Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is wonderful. If you have not read it, we have a song that we often sing. Um, often the beginning of that psalm, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And we sing it all the time. But I want you to see where you see in that passage so many times. And one of the things for those of us who are getting older and our parents are getting older to the point that we're getting afraid that they will, all of us are going to die. Is it time to be born and time to die? But there's a passage there. We're going to go to verse 14. But it says, verse 10, When my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. There is not a time in your life that you should get to the point where you say, I can't wait on the Lord because I can't trust that he's going to take care of me. I can't trust that he's going to be on time. I can't. All of that is a lie of the devil. You know, mama and daddy, your parents for most part, the ones that are not uh, abusive and, and out of line, those are the people that love you most. But the Lord says, when your mom, when your father and your mother forsake you, then the Lord will take care of me. That's a promise. Look at verse 14, the last verse of chapter 27 of Psalm. It says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There are going to be times in your life where you're going to have things that are very overwhelming. Situations with family, your finances, your relationships, your job, your health, everything you can imagine. And everything about you wants to be trembling in fear. Just like we saw in 1 Samuel 13. Trembling. Because you just don't know how it's all going to work out. But you got to remember who God is versus who you are. In ourselves, we can't solve all the problems. We can't fix everything. But the Lord has given us a confidence to know that he's overcome the world. No matter what trials or circumstances are coming in our life, we can trust that God is there. And no matter what we think is the bad and how it's all falling apart, the Lord is there and he's watching and he's overseeing and he's protecting. And even when we go through these trials, it's for our benefit to grow us up. It's for our benefit to learn and to grow. I thank you because I, I appreciate all of you that as we've been going through the struggle that it's been to have loved ones sick, uh, we pray for Joyce and we don't know what the Lord's will will be, but we thank you for those of you who are praying and interceding on her behalf. It is not easy to watch as your loved ones are sick or struggling, but you still have to wait on the Lord. You have to trust him. That even what we think is the worst thing sometimes is that people go on to be with the Lord. They're not suffering anymore. They're seeing Jesus. They're at the foot of Jesus. They're praising and singing hallelujah. They are seeing the majesty of the glory of God in front of their glorified eyes. So every time we think about somebody dying or somebody getting so sick, it's hard because we think about, oh, we're going to miss them. But we got to think of the love that God has for them greater than all of our loves put together. But I just want to thank you all for your prayer and intercession. I want to share with you that if you love these little sweatshirts that you see, Rev and I 
have we have um you go to uh, hard knock life for us it's called hklforyou.com and we get some of these wonderful sweatshirts and t-shirts uh and therefore a person uh the company wants to tell people stories about how they've struggled but they also have come out because they have the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you all that um, it's a blessing to be a blessing to teach the Word of God. And I love you, and I'll see you next week.